record. Um, and by the way, for those of you that, uh, if in any case you're not able to make it, um, I upload these and so on YouTube. So if you need that information afterward, uh, do let me know. But the apostle Peter says this, he says, I found it needful though you are well reminded uh, though, though you know, these things, he says, I, I needed to stir up in your mind yet again these truths. And and if there's if there's anything the devil does well, he, what he does is he brings within our minds and within our hearts amnesia. He he puts us uh in this state where we are forgetful. I don't know if someone has ever told you something in the word and you're like, yeah, 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 I know that, I know that, I know that. The sort of pride rises up. Maybe it is, in fact, the case that you do know it, right? But we are creatures of forgetfulness. Uh, how many times on your way to work you forgot your keys in the in the in the house? You know, sometimes sad enough uh, because I get caught up in the business busyness of of life. I have to take a second thought at it i'm like what 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 year are we in again this whole sort of pa- uh pandemic i mean pandemic uh has kind of <laughs> you know has thrown us all off um but nonetheless i think that we are creatures of forgetfulness and so we need to be reminded we need to be reminded always this is this is also why it's important when the Lord tells you something, you would think that all he needs to do is tell you one time, but he tells us often. He tells us often because he wants to communicate a point to us. He wants to get us to know. And sometimes we give attention elsewhere. And and whatever the truth is, the truth is it may be that he loves you, and you need to be reminded of that. And there's nothing wrong in needing to be reminded. Just like a father communicates to his son that he loves him, he reminds him, especially during times of discipline. Oh, in those times, how 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 great of the need is it that we need to be reminded of, of his love and be reaffirmed? But with that said, I do want to, at this time, come to prayer. And I want to ask as we... Uh, join in concert we join together that the lord would move and that the lord would speak and the lord would have his way that he would bring clarity that he would bring direction that he would bring uh conviction if necessary whatever it is that the spirit himself desires to say to his people it is that and that alone that we desire to hear but it comes with the intentionality of your heart that says I have come and I desire to hear from the Lord. I desire to hear from the Holy Spirit. Um, And he is real and he is active and he is in operation every single day. And he has not ceased from his ministry, has not ceased from helping us. He has not ceased from speaking to us. He has not uh, ceased from uh, making intercession for the saints. And so let us pray. Father God, we... We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your active 
your activity, Lord, in your church. We thank you, Father God, that you are not a, a God that is dead. You're not a God that um, abandons your people. You are a God that is an ever-present help in trouble. Father, it doesn't matter what it is that we go through. You are there and you are present. And you, you reach out your hand to your people all the day long, inviting them, inviting them to the throne of grace, inviting them to welcome your assistance, to welcome your help. Lord, you, you don't want us to rely upon false gods and you don't want us to rely on money. You don't want us to rely on um, looks. You don't want us to rely on strength. You don't want us to rely on anything other than you, Lord. So, Father, I pray that you would wean our hearts from this world. You would wean our hearts from those things which uh, preach to us a false gospel. This world that preaches to us a false gospel that does not satisfy and cannot satisfy, will never satisfy. Holy Spirit, would you anoint my lips, O oh God, and would you speak, Father? Would you, Lord, move through... Uh, every obstacle right now i pray that you would bind every devil every foul spirit that would come and try to whisper in our ears that which is contrary to your holy word father i pray god in the mighty name of jesus that you would reform our minds you would correct our beliefs you would strengthen our hearts you would encourage our souls father you secure our yesterday you secure our todays and anchor our tomorrow lord and for that, we thank you, God, that you're an ever-present help in trouble. You're an anchor for our souls. And Lord, I just ask of you that right now, Lord, that eternity would touch time. Eternity, O oh Lord, would touch this transient world. Father, may eternity be pressed upon our consciences. May we have a sense of your divinity here present with us, Lord. Father, I pray that you would lift us up, God. Whatever it is that we're going through, Father, I pray that chains would break. I pray that you would empower us. I pray that we would move away from our past. Holy Spirit, would you issue your word, Lord, like a two-edged sword, dividing both soul and spirit, uh, spirit, dividing both bone and marrow, Lord, expose the intents and the motives of our hearts. Holy Spirit, would you have your way? Would you have your way, oh God? Open up our hearts, Father, I pray. God, give us direction. May we fulfill your will, Lord, even if it costs us everything. Even if it costs us everything, if it costs us popularity, if it costs us money, if it costs us time, if it costs us us. Lord, our energy, may all our days and our hours, Lord God, be given to you in holy service. God, empower me, Father, in this moment. Lord, I cannot do anything apart from you. In the mighty name of Jesus, I ask for your help, and I believe you will move, oh Lord. Thank you, God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 I see that we're not Mormons today. <laughs> I'm getting feedback. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys recall from last time, I, did, I wasn't getting any amens. I'm like, are we Mormons? <laughs> Do I need to evangelize you guys? 
just messing. Um, what I want to be talking to you guys about discerning the will of God <coughs> and the central text that I want to be focusing in on is in Romans. Um, this book is called the book of Romans because Paul is writing to those that are at Rome and the author is Paul, right? And, and he's writing to them. And this is a very lengthy book, 16 chapters. Although when he had originally written this book, there were no chapters and FYI, just in case you didn't know, there were no such thing as verses. There were no chapters. Um, and that wasn't a later. Uh, that wasn't until later that it was invented uh, for our convenience. It's not that it's wrong that it, it or somehow we should remove ourselves from it, but it wasn't something that um, Paul invented or anything like that. But he's writing to the Romans, and I want us to take a look at this text. And it says <clears throat> again in Romans chapter twelve, verse one through two. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. And I want to stop there. Okay, so as I've said this before, and I'm sure you'll hear it often and time and time again, because it's important to know, a lot of times we we tend to just read very, very fast past words, and we don't take time to really emphasize word by word by word by word. And one of the words that I wish to emphasize for a minute is the word therefore. And this has become a cliche, but it is true nonetheless that whenever you find a therefore there, you must ask, why is it therefore? So let's ask the question, why is the therefore there? It's because it's transitional. And this is what we also must understand is that when we're looking, and I'm going to explain why it's therefore. But what we must understand is that we cannot isolate, we cannot remove verses from the rest of Scripture. And, and that's, that's what we kind of do. We kind of uh, bumper sticker verses. We kind of um, we, we uh, pl- slap verses on our refrigerator and we remove them from its content. Not to say that we can't have, you know, pictures in our home or, you know, have verses or sticky notes and stuff like that in the mirror. But the point, though, is this, is that we so often isolate verses from the rest of the entirety of Scripture. And what that ends up leading us to is false doctrine or <clears throat> a misunderstanding of the Word of God. The, the, the Word of God is not a magical book. That, uh, that has incantations or has, you know, these little recipes and formulas. And, you know, it, it's, a, it's a book of literature, but divinely inspired for the purpose of communicating truth to the people of God. And, and I just want to say this on the side before we get into this text, is we so often say, well, what is God saying? What, what's the will of God for my life? And what happens is we don't even read on a daily basis. We don't inquire what the mind of the Lord is. And see, that's the whole uh, deal of the matter is, is we want God's mind. We don't want our mind. We want what the Lord has said. 
and what his desires are and what his will is. But we cannot discover that if we give him mediocrity in the place of reading his word. We cannot uh, obtain that if we invest minimal effort expecting maximal blessing, maximal clarity, maximum uh, direction. And so we have to understand all of the mind of God, which means extensive reading, studious reading, uh, intentional reading prayerful reading but he says i appeal to you therefore so the therefore is there for this reason in light of everything else paul has said he is now coming to his climactic reason excuse me he's coming to his conclusion from all that he was saying prior what 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 he what was he saying prior well, I'm not, I don't we have time to go into all of it, but we find from Romans chapter one up until Romans chapter two that he was laboring to communicate the gospel. And we understand that from chapter one. He says, I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are at Rome, but have been prevented up until now. And so in Romans chapter 1 and 2, he talks about the sinfulness of man, both Jew and Gentile. In Romans chapter 3, he says, there's none that does good, no, not one. All have turned aside and together have become unprofitable. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 4 and 5, he talks about how we're justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Romans 6, he talks about the, 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 the being married to uh, Christ and and seven, he talks about the inward struggle of, uh, of of flesh and spirit. In Romans chapter eight, he talks about the triumphant, victorious life in the Holy Spirit, denying God's sovereign choice, and so forth. And so, but the idea though is this: is that through all the previous chapters, he's talking about this glorious truth, and it is the gospel, the euangelion. That is Greek to say the good news. What is the good news? That the wrath of God has been removed. We no longer have to pay the penalty of our sin, which is death, but Jesus paid that debt in full. We are no longer subjects of the wrath of God. We are no longer sitting on God's executioner's seat, waiting to receive the acts of his judgment, but in almighty, uh, uh, in the, uh, the almighty grace and mercy of, of God, he removes that from us. He transmits life to us, and, he bec- and we become a new creation. That is the glorious gospel, that we're no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer slaves to iniquity. We're no longer slaves to the devil and wickedness and this world. But God translated us from darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. Behold, all that we used to do has been buried along with Christ, no longer to be risen again, to resurrect, to haunt us again. But God has given us all power, all dominion, and all an infusion with his grace by the Holy Spirit to conquer all such things. But he he then transitions to Romans chapter 12. And so in light of everything he says, in light of all the mercies of God and the grace of God, he he then makes this appeal. It, it's kind of like um, 
It's kind of like a man proposing to a woman. Uh, suppose, you know, he did everything that would appeal to her heart. And then finally, he comes to the climactic uh, um, moment and he says, will you marry me? Right? He didn't get a cheap 50 cent ring from the the candy machine. He... <laughs> He, you know, he, he goes all out to propose to her. He treats her well. And so there is a therefore in that transitional moment for him in light of all that he did. Therefore, I'm going to propose or you, you get the idea. And so God is now appealing to us by his mercies. In light of all that he has done, he says this thing, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Or as other translations say, your rational worship or your reasonable worship. So this worship that we offer to God, number one, is to present our bodies, is to present our whole persons, is to present both soul, spirit, body. It is all encompassing. So we cannot say I'm worshiping God in heart and my body does not follow. And neither should we, our body follow a certain course of direction without our hearts be given to it. It's the entirety of who we are as a person. And so he makes the appeal by his mercy, and he says, now live as a holy sacrifice, and this is a reasonable worship. This isn't something that should be strenuous. This shouldn't be something that is a burden. The Bible says in 1 John that the commandments of God are not burdensome. They ought not be burdensome to the soul that has been saved and has been delivered and has been set free. Right? This is our reasonable worship. And it is also reasonable in this sense that later in in the following verse, Paul says that the way we do that is by the renewing of our minds. And so in the sense that the need to accomplish the will of God, which is by renewing the mind, it makes sense that such worship involves the mind. And, and that worship that involves the mind is a reasonable worship. Reasonableness involves the reason. It's a calculated worship. It's not this dim-witted worship. It involves the intellect, the will, the intentionality, our affections. Amen. amen and he says do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of god what is good and acceptable and perfect you know the will of god is a beautiful thing because Those that are living outside the will of God are living the most meaningless, purposeless lives known to mankind. Frederick Nietzsche, and he's a German philosopher, or he was until he died. And, you know, it's interesting because he writes about, quote, God being dead, and yet Frederick Nietzsche is dead. He was dead in sin and dead to God, and now he's dead in hell for all of eternity. And when I say dead in hell, that doesn't mean that 
somehow, you know, we're no longer uh, uh, conscious. No, he's taste the second death. That's what I mean. He will forever and ever and ever suffer apart from the glory of God. But he, he, it's the irony is he wants to write about God being dead, and yet he himself is dead. But and he writes in in, in some of his old literature, and he says uh, when he's talking about a generation that has removed God from society, and he says, "Where is left, and where is right? Where is up and down? Where's the horizon?" The idea is this: if we don't begin with God, there is. No left or right. There is no right or wrong. There's no up and down. There's no direction. There's no purpose for it all. The world, the universe, everything is but indifferent to us. What's the purpose for us to be here? And that's not just a conclusion that some uh, some German philosopher had come to. The writer of Ecclesiastes says the same thing. He shares the same sentiment. He says in chapter 1, verse one in verse eight, he says, "Vanity of vanity," says the preacher. "Vanity of vanities." In other words, meaningless, meaningless. All is meaningless. What does man gain by all their toil at which he toils under the sun? All things are full of weariness, and man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. He talks about the sea, the rivers running into the sea, yet the sea is not full. From the place which they come, thither they return again. The, the, the sun rises, the sun sets, ever returning on its course. All things are filled with weariness. It's like a chasing after the wind. It just repeats and repeats and repeats. If we do not uh, acknowledge God as creator, if we don't live in, in subjection to his will, what ultimately is there, what ultimate purpose really is there? <clears throat> let's for a moment suppose that God <coughs> somehow the atheists were right well you you would you would begin to wonder what what are we here for what's the purpose of everything we live and we die all right there's this quote, it says, there is a connection between heaven and earth. Finding that connection gives meaning to everything, including death. Missing it makes everything meaningless, including life. Let me read that again. There is a connection between heaven and earth. Finding that connection gives meaning to everything, including death. Missing it makes everything meaningless, including life. That connection between heaven and earth is this. We've been united with God and we are now living on purpose. We're living with meaning. We're living with a destiny. When God issues that call and he says, I'm calling you out of your grave clothes, Lazarus. I'm, I'm calling you forth from that tomb and I'm going to set you on a direction. I'm going to give you a course of, of clarity. I'm going to set a path for you that I have predetermined, that I have foreordained for you to walk therein. 
and he special and he and he gives special attention to you and he says this is the roadmap to your life and there is honor there is glory there is power there is a uh, purpose there is meaning and then the heart begins to revive with such uh ecstasy and such love and such joy and such uh, meaningfulness and peace and says I, I once was dead but and lost but now I'm found and I know the reason for my existence hallelujah I'm no longer Amen. Uh, living in the old course of direction. I'm no longer living in my uh, my uh, grave clothes. I'm no longer dead and with the stench. You know, it, it was one of the early disciples that spoke of Lazarus and said, Behold, he stinketh. <laughs> to cite the KJV, the King James Version, for you KJV lovers out there. Behold, he stinketh. Well, that was the statement that God issued to us. Behold, he stinks. Behold, she stinks. But not no longer. It was, it, it, after that point forward, when the Lord called us out from that glorious call, and he's shown into our hearts to give us the knowledge of the glory of Jesus Christ, he put on us new robes, robes of righteousness, clean robes. Hallelujah, washed and dipped in the blood of the Lamb. Glory to God. But living apart from God's will is utterly meaningless. You take the secularist, the hedonist. The hedonist is basically the philosophy that all there is to life is to maximize pleasure. I remember uh, one apologist said this. He says, the most miserable life are not those who have exhausted pain, but those who have exhausted pleasure. The most miserable life are those who have exhausted pleasure because therein brings the greatest pain that's why so many hollywood actors and stuff put a bullet in their brain they overdose because they climb to the scale of the ladder and they've realized that they place their ladder on the wrong roof and nothing is there i remember in in my former times that uh, you know, the high no longer got you high. You needed a greater high and a greater high and a greater high. And then taking hallucinogenic drugs just, just to get higher and higher and higher out of touch with reality. And I remember sometimes by myself when when everybody else was uh, away and, and I was just in my own conscience, I was not even aware of God. I was as much as we see the world every single day and all his creation and how forgetful are we that there's a creator. And yet being so blind, I could not infer from all that I seen that there was a creator that wanted to get to know me intimately. And I remember like, uh, uh, uh feeling like scum. I felt like trash. I feel like, what am, who am I? What am I doing? What am I here for? And I felt like I did everything I wanted to do. And I was still empty. Nothing could satisfy. Nothing could bring me joy. And thank God that Jesus Christ came and stooped down Thank God that Jesus Christ came and stooped down from the glories of heaven, 
wrapped himself in flesh, was born in the manger, came and lived an, a, 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 a life of, of poverty and life of suffering, acquainted with grief, just to feel how I felt and, and, and come where we were. But contrary to the lives of those that are leave, living meaningless lives and lives without purpose, this is why it's so important for us to evangelize and to intercede but on the contrary, those that are in Christ live lives of meaning. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. For you, you and I, we are his workmanship. If I'm not mistaken, I believe... Um, it carries with it the idea of a of a of a portrait and and a and a painter working on a masterpiece but you and I are his workmanship he's working on us for what purpose to what end we've been created in Christ Jesus so we are his workmanship the way that that goes under construction is that we abide in Christ and Christ abides in us. That is where the process of sanctification occurs. And this is for the purpose, not only to resemble Jesus in his image, but also to bring forth good fruit and good works and that we should walk in them. So in other words, we ought not to remain stagnant. We ought not to look back and say, look at all the things that I used to do. The walking there is a continuous verb. That is to say, it must continue. We should continue to walk therein. But notice though, the, the, the meaningfulness there, the purpose that is there, I've been handcrafted and hand-designed by the hands that are perfect, that are pure, that are noble, that are honorable, that are majestic. Hallelujah. Amen. So now that we're talking about the will of God, I wanted to break down these two different categories. There's the absolute and decreed will that always comes to pass. Psalm 115, verse 3, our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. He does whatever pleases him. And it cannot fail but to come to pass. Psalm 135, verse 6, the Lord does whatever pleases him in the heavens and on the earth, in the seas, in all their depths. Proverbs Chapter 8, verse 29 says, when he gave the sea its boundaries so that waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth. So in other words, he marked out a certain boundary that the seas could not pass. And guess what the seas and the waves do? They obey. Guess what happens when he commands demons to come out of people? They obey. What happens when he commands the trees to blow to the south and then blow to the north or the winds to blow to the east and blow to the west? It obeys his command. It doesn't stand up in rebellion. In fact, 
you know, the interesting thing about the distinction between wheat and tares, because wheat described the people of God and tares described the wicked, is that when it's when it's going through the process, I forgot what the process is called, the wheats bow down and the tares remain up. And so what that signifies are terrors are rebellious. They stick out their chests and they're unwilling to be subservient. They're unwilling to bow themselves down in humility. But even nature, even demons have enough of awareness of God's decree to obey. But then secondly is not the absolute decreed will of God, but God's permissive will. And this is broken every single day. This is an expression of his heart, but these sort of commands, this sort of will doesn't always come to pass. For example, the Bible says that he wills for none to perish, but all to come to repentance in Second Peter. But it is not the case that all people do, in fact, come to repentance. Right? The Bible says this is his will, even your sanctification. Well, what happens? There are clearly people who are living unsanctified lives that are breaking that part of God's will. God wills for there to be unity in the church, and what happens? We divide and are so fickle. God, God wills for many things. Some absolutely come to pass, and others do not. Others, he invites us, he invites our compliance, he invites our submission to carry out such will. But I want to get to the more practical side here. And as we're talking about the will of God, I, 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 I mentioned that we would be talking about discerning his will. But the reason why I bring up Romans chapter 12 is because this is so important. This is indispensable for understanding the will of God. It may not give you a roadmap, but what it is setting as a foundation is the prerequisites. In other words, what you need beforehand, Romans 12 is telling you what what you need in order for you to discern his will. Okay? So number one, First of all, is conversion. Romans chapter 8, verse 8, it says, those that are in the flesh cannot please God. Right? So it, it, it is assumed that we are first converted in order for us to be able to accomplish God's will. The carnal mind cannot submit to the will of God, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians. So it is essential for us to be converted unto Christ, because if we're not converted, we have not his Holy Spirit. We don't have the power in the the life of Christ residing within our hearts to help motivate us to live after the accord of his will. But secondly is commitment. This is where Romans chapter 12 comes into. And in parallel to that is Romans chapter 6, verse 13. He says this, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. So this requires commitment. This requires consecration. In other words, I'm consecrating my body. I'm committing my body to righteousness and not wickedness. You see, this is the problem. A lot of people don't 
they, they want to know the will of God as long as it actually conforms to what it is that they want. So there really is no commitment. So there's no reason to bother searching and, and discovering the will of God if you have no purpose in actually fulfilling it. You have no purpose of yielding yourselves, your bodies, as instruments of righteousness and not uh, unto wickedness. It's like a man who, uh, 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 you know, who, who gets hired and um, he gets hired for a job, but then he reads the, the, the job descriptions on, I'll do that, I won't do this, I'll do that. There's really no pre-commitment there. And I think the greatest problem for many of us is it's not so much that we're just trying to discern his will, but rather trying to get our will to conform to his. <clears throat> I think that's, the, that's perhaps the greatest battle there. Do we desire, do we long to live after his will? Remember, brothers and sisters, this is a very, very important thing here. Jesus says, he says, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. But then to his right, he says, to those who have done the Father's will. He says, enter into the joy of your master's presence. So the will of God is not a trivial thing. It's not a trifling thing. It's not a small thing. It's a very, very important thing. And those who have been brought from death unto life ought to render everything to him. Amen. <clears throat> everything. No reservations. No... Uh, no holding back everything to him. But he says, present your bodies as instruments of righteousness. And I, I just want to, I want to look at that again. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a holy and living sacrifice. So in other words, we're not like the prophets of Baal who are cutting themselves. God doesn't want our blood. The blood of Jesus has been offered. He wants our liveliness, our living sacrifice. He wants us to remain alive. A lot of people say, I'll die for Jesus. But yeah, but you won't live for him. Oh, if the mark of the beast comes and they say, oh, no, take it. Or we're going to behead you. I'll do it. Bro, you won't read your Bible. If we can't live for him in times of prosperity, what makes us think we'll die for him in times of calamity? You're, you're a pajama Christian. You're sleeping and slumbering in the light while the world sleeps and slumbers in darkness. You know, it's a daily sacrifice, a daily commitment. <clears throat> Like every every morning, you know, you know, it's a, it's a daily fight that we must then again come to the cross, come to Christ, 
come and die. He says, whosoever would come after me, let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross and follow me. For if you're not willing to take up a cross, he says, you're not willing to be, you're not worthy to be my disciple. Oh, how the cross with, with all of our uh, decorative Hobby Lobby, uh, you know, uh, uh, displays in our home. So often strip the significance of the cross. It's an execution we're talking about. It's, it's like having an injection needle as, from Hobby Lobby that they're selling or an executioner seat or a guillotine. Right? And, but it looks so cute. We'll even, we'll even have these wonderful cross pictures on our, for aesthetics on our Instagram. <laughs> but it, it's an execution. That's what it signifies. And Jesus says, whoever would come after me, let us, he says, let him take up his cross. Not another man's cross. Just let him take up his cross. We all have our cross to bear. But a crucified life lives, leads to an empowered life. <clears throat> Crucifixion doesn't abide in death. It is for the purpose that we may be raised in life. <clears throat> number number uh, three is concern. A prerequisite in order to discern the will of God is that we must first be concerned. Jesus says this in John 7, verse 17, If anyone wants to do God's will, he will know about my teaching, whether it is from God or whether I speak from my own authority. That's why when people want to argue with me about, you know, the existence of God, this, this, and this, and that, I don't waste my time anymore because they don't want to know the will of God. Now, if they sincerely say, you know, I'm doubting God's will, I really don't know, man. Can you, can you help alleviate some of my doubts? Can you bring clarity to me? Then those people, they're open to speak to. <clears throat> but when people want to go back and forth and split hairs over truth, I have no concern to continue to engage with those people because they don't want to know God's will. Because if they wanted to know his will, they would certainly come to the knowledge of his will, as Jesus just said. And I'm not going to take it that Jesus is a liar. I'm going to take it that he is true in his, in his assertion, that he's, that he's truthful in his claim. That whoever, there's no exception, whether you're Jew or whether you're Gentile, whether you're black or white, male or female, old or young, if you want to know the will of God, he will manifest himself to you. He's not going to keep playing hide and go seek with us. With no purpose of ever revealing himself to us. He didn't come and send, he didn't send his son to die an excruciating death on a cross for the purpose of hiding himself from here to eternity. There are seasons where he, he may withdraw, but it's the purpose to test our hearts to see whether or not we're going to run after him or we're going to run after other things. <clears throat> but once again, as we must have a concern. We must have an intentionality, a desire to know his will. And some people are so indifferent to the will of God that they keep wandering around in circles, never fulfilling it. Because they're double-minded, they keep going back and forth. 
If anyone wants to do God's will, he will know about my teaching, whether it is from God or whether I speak from my own authority. Number four is this, confession. How often people's walks are hindered because they leave unconfessed sin. And I'm going to say this too, confession of sin to people. <clears throat> because we act, we, we, we would like to entertain the thought that we're more holy than we really are, and we don't, leave, we don't confess our sins. Now, I, when I'm saying that, I don't mean publish it all abroad and let all of Facebook know or Instagram know or Snapchat or whatever. But if you wrong someone and you think that you can just confess your sins to God without making amends with that person, then you're mistaken. You're wrong. You're offering your gift at the altar, and you still haven't made things right with your brother. It's really, really really interesting to me because we will easily claim ourselves to be humble. We'll even cry tears at the altar and then still give a nasty attitude to our brother or sister. It's not how it works. You know, stubbornness is as the sin of witchcraft. And pride like idolatry. Oh, how quick we will be to point the finger at those pagans offering up uh, sacrifices at in their pagan temples and everything and committing witchcraft and burning sage. But how often do you burn sage in your own home with your stubbornness, so to speak? How often are you given to divination and witchcraft by trying to manipulate people and finesse? Whether through seduction or intimidation, it matters not. The fact of the matter is, is your stubbornness because you don't want the will of God. You want your will and you want to control people, things and places and times and everything. And so you will manipulate and finesse and do all that you can under the sun just to bring about the conformity of your will. That's why I... Here's, here's, here's a glorious truth. You want to live free? Do God's will. That is a glorious revelation because the people that don't want God's will, they, they um, are the ones that walk in stubbornness. They're the ones that walk in pride. They're the ones that walk in idolatry. They're the ones that walk in a controlling fashion. Because control at the heart of it is an insecurity, it's a fear, and it, it's, a, it's, a, it's wanting to grip all that you can on your life. Whereas the man or the woman says, you know what, Lord, I'm not going to live in fear. I'm going to live in peace, knowing that I'm just going to be subservient to your will. And I know that means with open hands. I know that means with open arms. I know that means with an open heart. I know that there's a risk that I will be uh, crushed. I know that there's a risk that I will have to suffer pain. I know that there's a risk that I must be rejected and ostracized and face calamity and hardship. But, oh, Lord, whatever may come, I know that you're with me through it all. 
I know that you won't leave me nor forsake me. I know that you're, uh, you will be with me through hell or high water and that you will see me through the fire. You will see me through it all. But I'm going to live in absolute surrender. I'm going to live surrender to the king. I no longer belong to myself. I no longer uh, 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 can make my own decisions and choices. I must come to the king and ask him what the, what the master wills. And even if that means being burned at the stake, I mean, if that means being crushed by those closest to us, and if that means being rejected and stepped on and treated like trash, I'm not going to control things. I'm not going to control my life. My life belongs to Jesus. My life belongs to God. It belongs to him. My heart belongs to him. I belong to him. And he holds me in his hands. And he leads me and he guides me. And all that he wants to see in my life, he will bring about. I don't have to rely on myself. I don't have to trust in myself. I trust in the one who gave his life for me. What I ask is this provocative question, this challenging question, are we living and surrender to Jesus. You may even read your Bible. You may even listen to godly sermons and godly podcasts and godly this, godly that, but there's still this fear in your heart that you're not living and surrender to God. Not living and surrender to Jesus. Yes, Lord, have your way, God. Have your way in our hearts. Have your way, Lord, in our minds. God, I pray that you would melt the will. Pray that you would melt every single one of our wills, Lord. God, may not the devil deceive us. Get us to believe lies. God, help us to remember, Lord. The hour we first believed, the glorious experience of your peace and your love. And, oh, Lord, how often we forget. We grumble and we complain and we become like the Israelites, saying it was better for us in Egypt. God, may we not be like that. God, I pray, help us. Help us. Help us to die. Help us to die. Help us to live the crucified life that we may live an empowered life. God, I pray for every soul in this group, Lord, that may be compromising, Lord, that may have lost their fire. Lord, they've grown cold. They've grown lukewarm. They've lost sight of you, Lord. I pray that you would revive them, my God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence. The master's here. The king is among us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to almighty God. Amen. Glory to him. Hallelujah. 
Yes, Lord, have your way. Father, I pray that you would tear down every single wall. Tear down every single wall, Father, I pray. Father, I pray for those whose pasts are hunting them or chasing after them, coming after them. Lord God, I pray that you would swallow Pharaoh up. Swallow them up, Lord. Swallow up the Egyptians in the Red Sea. May your people pass through the waters without being touched. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Yeah. Glory to God. <laughs> but our fellowship with God is hindered. Our walk with the Lord is, is hindered when we leave unconfessed sin. David, the great man after God's own heart, said, Search me, O God. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. He's saying, Search me, O Lord. Search my heart. Search me, Lord. Is there any offensive way in my heart toward people or towards you? And let me just begin to say it's a painful experience. Because sometimes the Lord is going to say, you know, that that, that person or that thing or that, that whatever it is that is most dear to you, it is that thing that is hampering your walk, that is impeding your walk, that is quenching your walk. And if we've ever gone or undergone surgery in in whether uh, or or just been to the doctor, it's an unpleasant experience often when we have problems with our body. So we have to undergo pain, <clears throat> but there's a trade-off. It's so that we may not experience pain in the future to come. When we hamper and when we compromise the will of God, it leads to bitterness. It leads to a lack of fulfillment. It leads to a lack of peace. You don't know how disheartened I am to see when people marry the wrong person. They're happy for a moment when they got sex. You might think that's crude. I'm being honest, man. Sadly, people marry for that. They say, you know, I don't want to sin against God anymore, so I don't want to keep having, I don't want to keep fornicating, so I'm just going to marry this person. They marry the wrong one. Now they have argument after argument every single day. They married someone addicted to pornography. They married someone that may not be addicted to that, but they're addicted to gambling. They're wasting all their money. God knows what he's doing when he's sparing you, man. It's in love. God knows what he's doing when he's sparing you from a career. God knows what he's doing when he's sparing you from you. 
God, help us to hear him. Because it results in joy. Remember, God is the God of joy. He wants us to be able to bite on that sweet fruit and rejoice, knowing that we are living a fulfilled life of purpose and meaning, and that we can say without shame, I've done my master's will. Paul says this, I count not my life dear unto myself, but that I may run my course with joy and that I may fulfill the will that the master has given me. That I may run my course with joy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And lastly is, is compliance. Confession, concern, commitment, conversion, and compliance. Are we willing to comply with the Lord? In other words, are we willing to submit? Now, they say submission begins where agreement ends. You think Jesus agreed with the cross and Naturally speaking, no, he didn't. But it says, but for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. There was no joy in the cross. He says he despised the shame. It says, uh, it says get our eyes fixed on Jesus, who uh, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning the, its shame, the shame. There was shame associated with the cross. But there was a joy before him that anchored his decision making. And that was primarily to do the will of the father. He says, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me. And secondly, is to see you and I conform to his image and everlasting and and experience an everlasting enjoyment of his glory. You know, they say it often, but. If we don't desire, we don't seek the glory of God on this side of eternity, what do you what do you think is going to make heaven for what it is? I, I don't claim to know everything that will be there or what exactly we will be doing. Or the, I would imagine if the Bible speaks of mansions and stuff, maybe there's work for us to do. Who knows? But... <clears throat> We need to give everything to the Lord. <clears throat> so what I've done is I've I've named the things that we need. They're called prerequisites. The things that need to be in order before we discover his will. Okay. But the final points that I'm going to be talking about really quickly is the ways God communicates his will the avenues through which he brings revelation to his will. And number one is is prayer. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 5, that if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And then that can then branch into a whole further discussion of what is the sort of effectual and effective prayer that brings about the results that we are seeking, and in this case, we're seeking wisdom. 
Uh, no pun intended towards Colton Kelly seeking wisdom. <laughs> Anyways, um, James chapter one makes it very clear that if we're seeking for wisdom, that we must pray. And how often that's the last uh, resort, and that's not the first option that we undertake. Proverbs chapter two, and I want to read this very quickly. <clears throat> says. Um, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He soars up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. And so in other words, the Lord is looking for those hearts to say, I'm going to treasure the Lord's commands. I'm going to take up his words unto my heart. I'm going to treasure his words and be attentive to his wisdom. And from that position, that heart that is pre-committed to treasuring the Lord's commands, it is that heart that prays. And, and cries out for understanding, cries out for wisdom, cries out for discretion and direction. And the Lord will grant his direction to such hearts. He will grant the revelation of his will for your life. But it comes through persistent prayer. Importunate prayer, desperate prayer, persistent, persevering prayer. Not the sort of prayers where you pray for your cereal bowl. <laughs> Number two is peers. Or in other words, other brothers and sisters in the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 21, the eyes cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14 says, where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Because of people's insecurities and fear of being hurt, they don't get close to anybody. And so you know what happens? Sometimes the Lord will prevent you getting the revelation of, the, uh, of, of, the, the, of his will in your life until you get close enough for people to help advise you. Sometimes the Lord will block out what you need to know because you're so dang proud and you're so stubborn that you will not listen to anybody else. And what God is saying is, you know what? I see the way you are, and for that reason, I'm going to lock up my revelation for what I want you to do in your life through the counsel of other people. And it doesn't matter what excuse. We might say, you know, I've been hurt. I, I have uh, rejection issues, or I have trauma, or whatever it is. And the Lord is saying, that's not, that's not enough. He, is he not our counselor? Is he not our healer? He wants to heal us through that, but we don't have an option to be isolated like a uh, monk. And see, that's where the monks go wrong. They think they can fulfill the will of God by being on an island and not connected to anybody, not in relationship with anybody. 
The Lord tests our hearts by making us dependent on one another. You might be like, I don't like sister so-and-so. I don't like brother so-and-so. <laughs> the Lord never called us to like each other. He called us to love each other. Love and like is different. That's why, you know, little boys and little girls can like each other in junior high, but they don't love each other. We're called to love one another in Christ. The hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. Paul said that. I didn't say that. Some gummy bear didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, this is Bible, right? Or do I have another book here? No, it's the Bible. <clears throat> Good luck getting running a marathon with no legs. You know, so, some people are so proud, they're like, I'll do it anyways. I don't need you. Shoot. I got this. Never needed your help, eh? <laughs> oh, I'm coming for y'all. So I know that's how the human heart can act sometimes. So that's how it can get sometimes. But we do need each other. <clears throat> Number three is people in, in leadership. So the, the, it kind of overlaps, but they're different in some sense. So peers uh, kind of speaks with regards to each other and then pastors or leaders, right? Sometimes you can just call up a friend and say, hey, man, you know, I've been going through this. And and that call kind of looks different than uh brother sister don't know so we need to seek counsel from you know a, a pastor or the, a leader that is, the lord has endowed with exceptional um wisdom right so th there's a place for that too but i, I don't really want to focus too much on that because it kind of overlaps with the previous one but number number um four is prophecy and this is where I'm I'm thankful to say that uh, we are continuationists here. That maybe you guys don't like that label or whatever. You don't have to take it if you don't want it. But all it simply means, sadly, because there's people today that don't believe in the gifts, uh, you have to create a label to set apart those who do. And they happen to be called continuationists. That means we believe the gifts have continued. Prophecy has continued. Uh, I hope we're not Mormons here and neither are we cessationists and cessationists are those that don't believe in tongues. They don't believe in prophecy. For, the, for, for those of you that have been here in any length of time, you've seen the gifts obviously operate. And so 
This is another reason why close association is so important is when God gives someone a prophetic word, it is for the benefit of his body. But if you're so distant from people, then how can God ever use someone to speak to you? Amen. That's why a lot of the world like costume parties is for them to dress up and they don't have to they don't have to reveal their identity. They can be unknown and yet have the benefit of joining with people. So we have to let our masks down. Right? And being see so you know the world talks about I ain't fake. I keep it 100. But the reality is a lot of people don't because to be real actually involves potentially getting hurt. Because if you're real, that means that you're really showing who you are and you might be rejected for who you are or what you believe. Keeping it 25%. <laughs> Keeping it 50 cent. <laughs> Just kidding, guys. Um, but being, being real involves a, a potential of getting hurt. <clears throat> and so we need to let that stuff down and we need to ask God for the security of our hearts to help us. And I get it. So, some people, and I don't intend on bringing up, uh, you know, some very hurtful things, but some of us, um, may have been touched in wrong ways. Some of us may have been treated very, very horribly. And uh, what that can do to people is either cause them to isolate and set up boundaries too far for anyone to get close to them, or what it may do is cause them to otherwise not have any boundaries. Because people have intruded and invaded those boundaries, so you don't know how to set them up, proper ones. The next one is precept, and this is and we're coming to a close. And it's God's word. Precept is just another word for God's word or command. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 130. The entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. <clears throat> you know, I was I was watching Christian news just recently. I think it's called CBN, <clears throat> Christian Broadcasting Network. And they were interviewing this lady who used to be a witch. And she's now a Christian. And she was talking about how she... Um, used witchcraft because she wanted to control people and situations and stuff like that uh, for many reasons. And uh, she was inspired by this one movie. I forgot what it was called, but she said it came out in 1996. Um, what was it called? Craft, I think it might have been. Or Anyways, the point, though, is that they just made a new one, I think, in 2020 or 2021. And she was talking about the progression of how witchcraft has come to be far much more open than it was in the 90s. 
and that in this remake of the movie that they made in the 90s they actually made they actually brought witches there real witches to cast curses and the spells for those who watch <clears throat> uh, i have this sister uh sister on facebook before she came to the lord she was talking to this guy who was in hollywood and uh, she was talking about this person that was in Hollywood, and he was talking about how much of their music, coming from someone who was in, himself in Hollywood, but he claimed to have been uh, dabbling in white magic, where uh, the music inspires for unity and love and peace. And really, they still use witchcraft through their music. And that he, he got set up for like this big, big record deal, but he turned it down, uh, I think, this uh, record label had produced music artists like Ozzy Osbourne and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a movie called The Craft, I think it is. <clears throat> um, I might be mistaken on that. But um, he said that he rejected this uh, record label because uh, it was black magic. And, and the, the intents for those that uh, promulgated their witchcraft through through that music uh, was for destructive purposes. In either case, it's both destructive, but to them, they think one is the light and the other is the darkness. And uh, he was talking about how they use evil and divination and witchcraft through the music so that even if there's an absence of, absence of content promoting certain wicked lifestyles, they can accomplish it through the feel of the music itself. Because you must understand that Jesus says, my words are spirit and they are life. Here's the thing. Spirits always give outwards. They give them out. Okay? But there's a possibility that spirits can remain mute, but can still accomplish their purposes through infusing uh, um so let me put it this way. What gives rise to ver uh, behavior and words are spirits, right? But spirits can decide to be quiet. And, 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 and every word comes from spirit, either human spirit, the Holy Spirit, or a demonic spirit, right? And so when, when this stuff is in music, most fundamentally, the, the spirits are doing the influencing more than the words are. And so that's what we got to pay attention to. But anyways, the point that I was I was bringing up when um, talking about this is that <clears throat> is becoming more aware the witchcraft and and all this stuff is becoming uh, pushed more in society. They're pushing the envelope with all this stuff. And when it comes to the occultic practices, what do they do? They refer to their occultic books or their occultic philosophies in order to accomplish occultic practices. But how interesting it is when it comes to Christians, we think we uh, 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 can come to know the will of the Lord without referring to the owner's manual. And God forbid that the world should be far much more devoted to their wicked practices than we as the church are devoted to the living Christ. The entrance of his word gives life, and it gives light. It gives direction. It gives power. It gives clarity. It Amen. dispels lies. It dispels confusion. 
it, it breaks yokes, it breaks bondages. And so I get a, a good question to ask us is, are we delving into the word of God? Are we allowing his word to shape and mold our thinking? So I'm going to just run through this really quickly. Are we committed to his will? Are we concerned to discover his will? Are we consecrated to his will? Do we confess sin that prevents us from obtaining his will? Right? And once we've laid that groundwork, are we open to people? Are we open to allowing people to speak into our lives? Are we allow, uh, open and, and willing to correct our lives in accord with prophetic words? Are, are we allowing ourselves to be shaped and molded by God's word? Are we praying for his will? Are we praying or are we playing? If we're not praying, we're strained. Praying is always for the purpose of going forward. Going forward. I'm not going back and I'm not staying here. I'm advancing in the will of God and what he wants for my life. And I think the final thing that would conclude this all is persistence. Because if we're not persistent, we could have done every single thing and then come short of the goal 10 yards in, a 10 yards. We just need 10 more yards. And then we say, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I, I'm waiting too long, Lord. Why, why, why have I, I don't have my own house yet. I don't have my business yet. I'm not married yet. God alone knows why. And you know what? Can I tell you something? He may not give you an answer why. He may not, he may not explain to you. But he's going to tell you, are you willing to trust him by faith? Are you willing to still trust him? Though everything you see is not working out as the way you thought it would. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. and Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. There are still things today that I don't know why God allowed. But I can say like Marvin Sapp, I'm wiser, I'm stronger, better, much better. When I take a look back on all the things he brought me through, I can see that it was his hand that I was holding on to. Hallelujah. <clears throat> So as we come to a close, saints, I want to direct our attention back to this reality. That we can say yes to the Lord today, or we can say no to him. But I will assure you this, that if we say no to his will, that just like those in the world, what happens? They live lives of despair. They live lives of hopelessness. They live lives of depression. 
They live lives of hurt and agony. Their laughter is but a little while, then comes the pain. Jesus says, Woe well, unto you whose laughter is now, for there will come a time when you will weep. But blessed are you who mourn, for there will be a time when you're comforted. So doing the will of God may require your mourning. It may require your pain. It may require uh, difficulty. It may require bending and breaking and crushing and calamity and hardship and persecution. But you know what? Jesus says, hold on, because there's going to come a time when you will not mourn anymore, but your rejoicing will come. Weeping may endure for a night, but the joy comes in the morning. But for the wicked, their rejoicing lasts but a day, but their mourning will be forever. It is lasting. It is perpetual. Their agony gets deeper and deeper and deeper as they continue more and many more years throughout life without God. They're digging a pit further for themselves. And you know what? I'd rather suffer in pain knowing that my pain has purpose rather than to be happy in life knowing that I'm leaving a meaningless one. And I'm going to close with this last analogy. John Piper, I remember in his in his uh, wonderful preaching that he did some years back, it's called Don't Waste Your Life. And he was talking about this old couple that lived middle class. They did many things. They traveled. They did all that they wanted. And they finally settled down after the retirement. And you know what they committed the rest of their lives to? Collecting shells. And the point in him bringing that up is that they did not live for God. They did not live for Christ. They did not live for his kingdom. They did not live to advance the master's will, but rather they committed their life to the trivial pursuit and hobby of collecting seashells when God is going to call all of that to judgment and examine why they did what they did. And they will say, Lord, in light of you shedding your blood for the sins of the world, here it is, God, I've collected seashells. I've collected seashells in light of the death of the Son of God, in light of his blood shed for our sins. I collected seashells, Lord. I played video games, Lord. I went around fornicating, God. Ooh, 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 I started a business. But no, God is saying, did I tell you to do that? Did I tell you to do that? Or did you commission yourself? Did the master say, son? It, here's a good question. If the Lord say, all you're going to do for the rest of your life is be a janitor, will we rest content? Say, yes, Lord. Because in light of eternity, this alone has purpose. I will be the best janitor that I possibly can be. The Lord says, you're going to wait tables for the church from here to your death. Are you happy? Will you be content? If you have to work a back-breaking job in construction or or in a factory, 
Or maybe, you know what, for those of you that want to get out of ministry, if God is calling you to ministry, you say, you know what, Lord, I just want to be on the back burner. I just want to be humble about it. I just want to work in a factory. But God is saying, no, I need you in the ministry. Either way, whatever the Lord says, that is what you must do. And so may God give us the strength and the willingness. May he break, may, may he melt our wills. To say, Lord, whatever you want, I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of striving. Are you like one of the old patriarchs, Israel, named because he wrestled with God? So if you continue to wrestle with God, you'll you'll grow tired. You might have to put your hip out of place. So your walk is different. No longer walk the same like you used to. So you either yield with the melted will. Say, Lord, I don't want my hip broken. (laughs) Or you'll break your will. But how great is that discipline in itself? I'd rather have my my hip broken and limp to eternity and to heaven than go running to hell. Amen. And like my brother Colton Kelly says, he says, I'd rather offend you into heaven than to comfort you to hell. So let's pray. Father, we we come before you, Lord. We come before your throne of grace. God, I ask right now that you would impress this word upon the conscience of your people. Father, I pray. Father, help us. Help us, Lord. Father, I pray that we would all fulfill your will. I pray that we would all, Lord God, live with joy, knowing that we are doing what you've called us to do. Lord, I just I just want to pray for uh, Sabina. Father, I pray that you would begin to speak to her. Lord, which you already are. You're already speaking to Sabina. And I believe, Lord, that you have her here for a purpose. And I believe, oh Lord, that you have spoken to her today. Lord, I pray that you would give her the strength. I pray, Lord God, that you would give her the peace. Father God, I pray that you would make uh, known to her what it is that you want her to do for her life because her life belongs to you. Her life is no longer herself. Her life doesn't belong to her anymore. It belongs to you, Lord. And Father, I just, I, I, I pray, Lord, for a complete peace over her mind, complete peace, Lord, over her heart. Lord, I just come against every single uh, assignment that has been sent by the devil to terminate her or to terminate her family, to come against her, Lord God, to uh, try to put fear or anything, Lord God, in her heart. Lord, I pray, just come against that in the mighty name of Jesus. And I just say peace, 
be to you. Peace be to you in the mighty name of Jesus. May the Holy Spirit just flood her heart right now, God. And Lord, I just pray for your love to overshadow her, Lord. And Father, things and habits and ways of thinking would fall off as scales. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. A changed walk, changed mind. And Father, I pray for restful sleep. Restful sleep for Sabina, Lord God, that she sleep better than she has ever slept before. For your word says you give your beloved sleep. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just pray for the rest of the group. <clears throat> God, I, I ask of you, Lord, if any of us are out of alignment, Lord, bring us in alignment to what you want us to do. Lord, I pray for my brother Jarvis. God, I ask you, Lord, that he would be useful with his time. He would be intentional with his time. Holy Spirit, I pray that the fears that he has, Lord, would not befall him. God, I ask right now that the days of struggles will be over. The days of struggle will be over, Lord. Father, I pray that you would mature him, that he would grow into a great man of God, that he would begin to walk in big shoes, Lord God, he finds too difficult to feel. But Father, I pray that you would hold his hand, Lord, and you'd begin to strengthen him, bring peace to his home, bring peace to his mind. Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus for joy to spring up, that he would not live out of fear, but he would live out of confidence. And those little trivial things, Lord, he commits to, I pray that he will let go today. Hallelujah. I pray for Manander, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that I pray in the mighty name of Jesus for the things uh, to come, Lord, would be far beyond comparison to the things that he has experienced before. Lord, I ask God right now in the mighty name of Jesus that you would begin to enrich him with a joy. And he just he would be speechless over all the things that you'd begin to do, Lord, here in the near future. Father, I pray, God, that you would um that you would continue to shed off the old man. And I pray, Lord God, that that everything from the past, Lord God, would remain in the past, that it would not come to try to bite him, Lord God. Old people and old places and old things, Lord God. I pray erase it from his memory. Father, I pray that he would be so preoccupied with the blessings that you would come to bring him here in the near future, Lord, that the things of the past will be long gone and will remain that way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just pray, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, for your peace to rest upon all of us, Lord. Thank you for this group. Thank you for my family and the Lord. Lord, I I deeply concern, Father, for, for all of them, Lord. And I just pray that you keep them in your love. Keep them in your gentle hands. And even when they stray, Lord, in your fatherly love, Lord, would you just bring them back? Would you just remind them how much you love them and how you don't want them hurt? In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's a blessing to have you all. Glad you guys made it. Hope you guys were blessed today. Um, yeah, and that hopefully God gave you guys direction or encouraged your hearts at least. Um, I'll go ahead, brother, or Sister Felicia. So um, I just wanted a, a praise report uh, to let you guys know that my daughter is home from her accident that she had at school. So I just appreciate the prayers, and I know God is good all the time. So you want to say thank you for your prayers? Thank you. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, so You're she welcome. Has to, she has to wear a brace for six weeks. Uh, she fractured six of her, her spine. Um, Jose, okay, sorry. No, it's six. Uh, the doctor said it was L2, L3, L4, T2, T3, T4. So, um, but praise be to God because she's walking, she's talking. Uh, I just thank God for her not going into surgery. So God is good. So I just want to thank you all for um, all the prayers. I really appreciate it. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, thank you for sharing that. (laughs) You're welcome, little one. God bless you. And may the Lord uh, strengthen your back and give you good rest and, and give you peace. We're, we're thankful that we were able to pray for you guys and um, and may the Lord restore her back and her face no problems in the future. And But uh, amen. That's a good praise report. God is a healer. Amen. God is amen. a healer. Hallelujah. Yes, he is. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Amen. Thank you for sharing that, sis. Um, <clears throat> anybody else 